Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630-CHAD. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you from Los Angeles, California. Huge tilt tonight. The Amazon Oilers, the LA Kings. It's an 8.30 puck drop. 7 o'clock face-off show. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, uh, Cam and myself will have the radio call. Louie and Jack and Gene on the TV side. I'll be joining them during the second intermission as well. Coming to Edmonton over the next couple of days is going to be the NHL Black History Tour. It is presented by American Legacy. It's arriving in Edmonton uh, over the next couple of days. And uh, one of the gentlemen that's coming into town uh, to be a part of that event on Friday and Saturday is a regular contributor to the show. We welcome back Edmonton sporting icon, Montreal-based media personality, George LaRock. Hi, George. How you doing? Awesome. How's everything on your side? Good. Are you in Edmonton right now or are you flying out? Are you making your way to the airport and flying out of Montreal tonight? Yeah, my way to the airport to fly out tonight, so I'll be there tonight. All right. Awesome stuff, George. Uh, you like doing this sort of stuff? I, I mean, you, you've always been a guy that has, has given up a lot of time to be involved in community initiatives, and obviously this one's near and dear to your heart. Yeah, but you know what? Anything that has to do with community, whether it is for minorities and for kids or, or hospital, anything like this, uh, I've always felt like it was a duty, uh, Bob, because, uh, you know, the, the reason I play in the NHL is just so God gave me a platform so I could change things and I could improve things and, and be an example and be a role model for kids and help all charities. Because when you have a platform, I think that's what we have to do. It's a duty we have to be because we're so fortunate to have been playing playing a sports for a living that you have to give back. You have to be thankful to a spiritual-like force above you and and be thankful to that is to do things to show that you're thankful and to me it's just it was just natural that uh, i'm getting involved in and yes what's going on this weekend is important because we've been talking about like finding ways to get minorities involved in hockey and interest in the hockey and fight racism but again to me every cause as important as one another so the more i could do the better it is and until I'm, I'm in my coffin, uh, Bob, I'm going to be as active as I can. George, uh, you play, I mean, and again, this is to basically celebrate, uh, you know, black history, the black hockey history experience in the National Hockey League. And I'm thinking back to, to some of the uh, teams that you were on. And, I mean, you, you had a lot of uh, uh, fellow black players on some of those teams back in the early 2000s, didn't you? Well, the way it was a record in Edmonton when we played with the. Uh, Mike Greer, Ensign Carter, Sean Brown, Walking Gate, we were five black guys on the team, so that was the record. That was amazing. I remember when we were on the road sometimes, people thought we were the Eskimos. Um, you know, it, it, it was just, and it, that was in Edmonton, you know, and, and then we could talk about Grand Fjord, you know, what, he, what he's won and what he, what he has represented to minorities and stuff. So, you know, to be part of this, uh, it, to me, it, it, it's awesome. And uh, but you know the fight is still ongoing because there's still unfortunately some some other incident that happened. But you know what? I'm there and uh, I'm, I'm happy to be there. Talk to minority kids that are there. And when we talk about minority kids, not just black kids, but First Nation also. 
also. Uh, they're getting it really, really hard, and especially after what happened with those, uh, you know, with those uh, orphan in schools and stuff, and those kids that were buried. So it's important to be there for them and uh, to, to share compassion and to show that the game is for everyone. All right. Now I'm going to get you to put your analyst role on. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are 11-2-1 and under Jay Woodcroft. Uh, and over the last 14 games, George, he's 18-7-2. We know you love the Oilers, even though you're doing the radio show in, 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 in Montreal right now. Uh, I, you keep your eye on the hockey team. What are you seeing out of Edmonton right now? Well, it's crazy because every time the Oilers are going through a good trend, it's because of goaltending. And when the Oilers are not going into a good trend, it's because of goaltending, too. The things with the goaltending, Bob, and we talk about it so many times. And by the way, you're right. You said the Oilers are the team of my heart. They draft. They drafted me in 95. They give me my first chance. So this is the, my number one team that I'll always be cheering in the NHL. And I hope that the Oilers always win. But, and the thing with the goalies, and I'm glad that Koskinen and Smith are doing better. And Smith got a nice pass for uh, uh, McDavid in OT when he scored against uh, the Sharks and all that. That's good. They get, there's good sequence that they're good. The only thing, though, that I'm not sure is that I just don't know when the time comes, playoff time, if, the, if we have the right goalies. So, you know, and, and with the firepower that the others have, have up front, I'm not surprised that, you know, even sometimes with subpar performance, they could put, put the fucking head because you look at the Evander Kane acquisition, like, man, you get a top two lines that is really good because that acquisition been really, really good. My question marks in that, the goalies are going good right now. Hopefully, they could keep it. Playoff time comes because, you know what? The Oilers are going to go as far as the goaltending will get them because they have the tool up front to make it there, but I just don't know in the back end yet. George, your assessment is completely fair. I mean, last year, the Oilers lost to Winnipeg. Connor Hellebuck had a 950 save percentage. Mike Smith was, I think he was 910 or 912 or something like that. But, you know, they ran up against a goalie that played great. When the Leafs blew the 3-1 lead against Montreal, Carey Price went 950 in the final three games. You know how much I care about the Alberta Golden Bears. A guy named Alexis Gravel for UQTR made 66 saves. And Alberta lost 5-4 in double overtime. And he stopped 152 out of 159 shots. And he won two double overtime games. One against UBC, who Alberta hammered in the Canada West final. And one against the Golden Bears. And it just shows you, you get good goaltending. And you know this, because you had a guy named Cujo in 97 and 98. And you guys stole a series against Dallas. And you stole a series against Colorado. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. That makes a huge difference. And now we're seeing in the NHL the importance of goaltending right now because you're looking at that, all the teams now, they, they focus on it. It's so important. Look what the Wilders did with Mark andre Fleury because they want to get to the next level. They want to win this year. And you need it and stuff. It, it's, so, it's such an important position. And, you know, even in our cup run with Dwayne Wilson until he got... Well, Dwayne Wilson doesn't get hurt in 2006 to win the cup. Mark Hunter did an amazing job. But Rolson was going to get the MVP. We're going to win the cup. So you know, and 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 if you if you look back, the last time the Oilers had a true number one, it was Dwayne Rolson, other than the MVP year that Talbot had. But he only played one great year in Edmonton. It shows you how hard it is because it's easier to say the Oilers need a goalie, but it's another thing to do it because every team is looking for number one. 
So I know that. Yeah, you mean what? What are there are the teams? It's not always easy. George, when when Mark Tan St. Louis, because you're in Montreal, and you know the Oilers Woodcroft, like Woodcroft touched every base on his coaching journey, right? Like he started off as a video coach in Detroit with Mike Babcock as head coach, and then he went to San Jose. You know, he won a cup in Detroit, and then he went with Todd McClellan to San Jose and became an assistant. And then by the time he was in Edmonton, he was basically the associate, and then he went down to the farm. So he he knew Connor and Leon and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Darnell from his time in the NHL, and then he knew guys like Ryan McLeod and Bouchard and Yamamoto from his time in the minors. He touched all the bases. You know, I'm watching the Canadians, and they're, and maybe it's because they're just loose and there's no pressure, but Martin St. Louis did not touch all the bases. He was coaching his kids' team. Are you surprised that the Canadians have played as well? And they've traded away some of their defensemen. Are you surprised okay. they've, you know, they're, they're sort okay. of hanging in there with Martin St. Louis' coach? Okay, now, now listen to this. Martin St. Louis is there because his close friend with Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes brought him in like he brought in the Cavalier because they were his players and he brought them in. Now, if you look at the Canadians, same thing happened with Ottawa last year when they were out of the playoff and they had a surge towards the end of the season because they're playing with no pressure. Right now, Martin St. Louis is trying a bunch of different stuff because Montreal, when he took the team, there was 20 games under 500. They were already out of the playoff. So the guys are playing loose. Caulfield is playing loose. Like, Gautzinak had 30 goals the year that Montreal was out of the, out of the playoff in December. And he never came close to that after. Right now, teams that are playing Montreal, they don't take him. They take him lightly. They're out of the playoff. They're no four-point game. They're not a team that could hurt you. It, it's not the big deal if you lose against them. So they're playing loose. It's not the same thing. You have nothing to lose. There's absolute zero pressure. And when you play an atmosphere with zero, an atmosphere with zero pressure, it is easier. Yes, Martin St. Louis is respected because he played over a thousand games in the NHL for a small player. And because of that, yes, the guys like, they respect him a lot. But again, if you look at the team that you're seeing right now, um, and the success they're having now, next year, it's not going to be the same thing. Next year, now, when you start the year, now every game is so important. Now you're battling against this team to make the playoff. Like, it's going to be, it won't be the same thing. They're not going to win. If they don't have some, key players in the summer, they're not going to win like they're winning now in the beginning of the season. But every team that's out of the playoff could always cause surprises. And right now, I think that, the, that all the players in the team is taking the advantage about the fact that no one is seeing it as a team that is threatening them and that there's no pressure and it's much easier. All right. Uh, we're joined by George LaRock. George, now we're going to get your assessment on what happened. We had Louis DeBrus on the show earlier. Uh, what happened to Troy Terry last week with Jay Beagle? Uh, Trevor Zegras taking a little poke after the whistle in a 5 nothing game. It wasn't a, a hard poke at the goaltender. Beagle sort of gave him a shot. The next thing you know, Jay, Jay Beagle's punching uh, Troy Terry, who's not a fighter. What was your, you know, I mean, we have way fewer players that know how to defend themselves today, George, than, than 25 or 30 years ago. We know that. But what was your assessment? Was Did Jay Beagle go too far? Should the linesmen have jumped in too quick? Is this a byproduct of guys not knowing how to defend themselves? What would you say? Okay, first of all, in a situation like this happened to like, Troy Terry, that like, obviously the goal scorer is not a fighter. If you don't want, the reason why they put the instigator rule is to protect guys that don't want to fight. If someone grabs you, you don't want to fight, you don't drop your glove. You protect yourself, and the guy is going to stop. And I know that sometimes 
a reaction will be if somebody grabs you or drop the glove. Well, the minute that you drop the glove, things can happen. And, you know, and that's why, again, what I would say to players, that if they don't want to get hurt, don't drop the glove. Protect yourself. The guy is going to stop because he could get suspended. Blows to the head to someone that is not engaging will give you a suspension. So, of course, people want to punish Jay Beagle because Kyrie got hurt and Zegris complained about it. But next time, keep your gloves on and don't engage. And then that way, if you get punched, the guy is going to be suspended. But the referee can come in if somebody dropped the glove and then you're getting beat up. Like, of course, if you're in a bad position, they can't come in. They will. But it's unfortunate that he got hurt. But again, Bob, it's just this role wasn't for a reason because back in the day, I know a lot, we know that it was barbaric. It was crazy. Without the instigator rule, everybody had to be able to drop the glove. But now they put that rule to protect the guys that don't want to go. So I just guess in the future, don't don't drop the myth and just protect yourself and the guy won't engage. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting, George, because there's way fewer guys, as you know, in junior. Like when you went in a junior and you went in as a 16-year-old, I... You know, when you went in there, like probably what, 75% of the guys in your team were willing to fight in the Quebec League at that time? Yeah, yeah, and now it's completely different. The Quebec League now is putting rules to take fighting out of the game because, you know, hockey is changing. And, and you know, and, and again, in junior hockey, I understand why they would want to take it off because I don't think a 16-year-old that is not done growing should fight against a 20-year-old that is full maturity because you can really get hurt. So that yeah. I understand. But for pros and stuff, if you're fully matured and it's your role, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know, but but and and again, the instigator rule is protecting players. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, it is a tough job. And 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 but there's still there's less and less fighting. There's no more the, the one-dimensional, one tough guy like we used to see before. So I think that just with that, it's a major change. Uh, did you ever feel guilty in a fight when that uh, you were yeah. fighting an oh, old like I, a? Like a guy oh, that was a middleweight, and he he challenged you, and you're like, oh, I don't really want to beat the crap out of this uh, guy. And you... I one time I felt guilty. It was when I fought. Uh, actually, I felt guilty a lot of times when I when I hurt people. Like obviously, before I, I answer that question, I felt guilty when I hurt Brent Myers, and he retired. Uh, Stu Grimson, and then retired. Andrew Archer, and then he retired. And I could really go on and on like that for four of the guys that had to retire after. So I feel bad about that, and I feel bad about Jay Leach in uh, in Phoenix. I don't know why he dropped the glove with me. I hit one of his players, and, and then he dropped the glove, and I one punched him. I, f I felt bad. There's many guys that tough guys also that I felt bad. I felt bad for Rob Ray. Uh, when he stayed on the ice after, even though he was a heavyweight. You know, I, I felt bad for many guys because the goal to me was never to hurt someone, but it was just to win, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I was not, as you know, I was not a mean guy. When I did this, I did it no. because I, I did what I had to do to be there. But I did, if I had a mean streak in me like, like Dave Brown had, I would have killed guys, you know? But it wasn't me. I, I hated it. I, I know. Doing we, it. Uh, we talked, you know, like Dave Brown cross-checked, uh, what's his face, and uh, Thomas, like Thomas Sandstrom wouldn't drop his gloves, and that was a time in which 16 out of 18 skaters on the ice would fight, but Sandstrom was one of the guys that wouldn't, and so Dave Brown, you know, people forget this. He cross-checked him right in the face and got a 20-game suspension, but he sent the message. But that's how it was in the 1980s. Like, there was an expect... I, I think, like, George, I think growing up, like, you know, and I'm, I, you know, I'm in my mid-50s, and I, I can tell... And I was by no means tough. 
but there, you know, even even e- there was intimidation. Even in we we played St. Albert, they had Todd Ewan, and and he was really good. He was a really good player. But we like teams knew that first of all, like, we'd lose every game nine one or eight two. But we also knew like they had a bunch of big guys, and we had like one guy that was you know average size or better, right? And it's it's like even at that level, there was the occasional scrap on the ice and. You know, guys going at it in Bantams and people go, what? And I'm like, I'm telling you that when I, we got listeners to the show right now that, you know, fought in Bantams. I know I did. And sometimes you win some. It's just a completely different time, George. Like the Oil Kings have one or two guys that fight. One or two guys on their entire team that fight in junior hockey. It's just a different, you know, you get suspended in the AHL if you have more than 10 fights. Yeah. No, I know. I think this is changing. Because, you know, the NHL wants to protect themselves because you see what's going on with concussion in the NFL yes. with all the lawsuits. And the lawsuit has been there with NHL players. And you know what? I was approached with that lawsuit with the NHL players, the fighter that was suing the league. And uh, I never wanted to be a part of it. And the reason why is not just the fact that I've never got a concussion. I was never hurt. But the thing is, to me, I was like, you know what? As much as I hated fighting and as dangerous as, it, as, as, as I knew that it was, Nobody put a gun in my temple to force me to do it. So I assumed the fact that I decided to do that for a living with the risk and the consequence of it. So I'm not going to join some lawsuit to take advantage of the fact that there's free money out there because I fought for a living. And now I'm talking about, oh, I didn't know all the risk about it. We're men. Are you kidding me? When I hear people say, we know the risk about what it was going to be to a concussion and stuff. You see reports that are written and stuff. Yes, you knew the risk. You know what you're getting yourself into. Yes, you know it was dangerous. And there was nothing ever granted when you got into a fight. But hey, this is what you choose to do. So because this is what I choose to do, I never wanted to be part of any of that. I assume what I've done for a living, even though it was hard. I assume that like, like, like the risk that was with it, and I'm glad that I'm okay with it. But again, Bob, that's the risk of the, you know, of the job. And, uh, you know, it was the hardest job in professional sports. I did it for 13 years, and I felt good today. I felt fortunate because of that. But, yes, now for the health of guys, they're taking it out. I'm always going to defend it because this is what put bread on the table for me. Um, you know, I, I, want, I hope it stays for the guys that might not be one-dimensional, but a guy that, you know, when fighting stays, he has a better chance to make it pros. I hope it, I hope it stays for him. And uh, that, that's how it is. I would be a hypocrite today if I talk against fighting. Now that I'm retired from the NHL, I made all this money. And now that I'm done, I'm going to say let's take fighting out of the hockey. I never said that while I was playing. You know, why guys that used to fight, they all wait till they're retired before they say we should take fighting out of the game. They never said that while they were doing it. It's so easy to say when it's done. Why? Because it's popular to say, okay, let's take it out now. So then people can applaud and say, oh, you've changed. Good for you. Are you kidding me? You have to assume what you've done and defend it to the end. Because despite what I'm saying, what I think about it, it's not going to change despite of my opinion. George, people love the passion. Thanks for joining us, George. Enjoy your time in town. I'll see you at the game Saturday night. Yeah, see you Saturday night. Thanks, bro. All right, that is George LaRock. Uh, we're going to marry the breaks here. Brendan, 153 in Edmonton. Haji says there's no doubt that the skill in today's game is higher than ever. That being said, the big rig, uh, Pat Maroon, doesn't have three cups because of his skill. Tampa Bay had one of the most highly skilled teams for the last five years. It wasn't until their team toughness and team engagement increased that they were able to win the Stanley Cups. It's not just creating a safety net for your stars. It's also about making life miserable for the other team stars and taking advantage of the 
Whistles being in the pocket come playoff time. All right. We're in the process of wrapping up Oilers now. Uh, we will tell you the best pizza in the city still making a great Royal Pizza. Multiple locations in Edmonton to serve you. Uh, 15 in total. Edmonton owned and operated 50 plus years. Uh, four spots now in Calgary, one in Red Deer. Tell your friends, royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stop for recommendation, Mediterranean chicken. George's appearance today, you know he's a vegan, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-A-U-K today. To this day in Oilers history, uh, for New West Travel, looking for a great Oilers playoff roadie? Well, you can register online. For the Oilers road trip coming up in the playoffs, visit newestravel.com. The Pumpernickel, the Pumpernickel made an appearance on this day back in 1982. The Oilers and Kings combined for a playoff record 18 goals as Edmonton falls 10-8 in Game 1 of the Smite Division semifinal at Northlands Coliseum. The Oilers had a 4-1 lead in the first but coughed up four unanswered and never bounced back in the game. And uh, Bernie got at least two, and that's when he debuted the Pumpernickel on national TV. Oilers and the LA Kings, of course, have gone two rounds in the 81 playoffs. They ended up with seven Hall of Fame players losing to the Kings, who they were at least ahead of. It's 28 points in standings in the regular season. Uh, Edmonton had won the Smythe Division that year. Tonight, Reed Wilkins has inside sports from 6 to 7 on the City Ford Faceoff show before the Oilers face the LA Kings at Crypto.com Arena at 8.30. Tomorrow, Brendan S. Scott hosts. Guests will include Elliot Freeman from NHL Hockey and Rogers for Mid-City Construction Management and Sportsnet's Mark Spector for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3. Then the 6.30 Chet afternoon stay from 3 to 6. I will rejoin you at 7.05 from Crypto.com Arena. So long from now, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad.